Retro fam, welcome back to the show. Hope all is well as we emerge into summer, it feels like. Hope you have some fun adventures and races on the horizon. Thanks so much for making time to listen to the show. Today, we're joined by Stephen Kirsch, pro trail runner for Adidas Terex and one of the brilliant minds behind Rabbit Wolf Creative, the digital content studio that makes a lot of beautiful photo and video work in the sport of running. You guys have probably seen it on YouTube or social, but uh, while I have followed Steven for a while and admired his work, we didn't really know each other until this past weekend. Steven was in town here in Portland for a wedding and he and I snuck out for a couple hours in Forest Park while he was here and we had a great convo out on the trail as is often the case. when you connect with new people in the sport, which of course made me want to turn the mics on and make a pod out of it. I have to say, I really like this episode. Steven and I go deep on his background and career arc as a runner, but we also spend a ton of time talking about creativity, the brutal slog of entrepreneurship, some of the serious health challenges that Steven has dealt with over the last couple of years and what he's learned from it and a lot more. It's one of those convos where we use running to talk about a ton of deeper life topics, and I hope you enjoy it. Make sure you stick around to the end where Stephen and I give a few recommendations on recent sports media content that we've enjoyed as two connoisseurs and creators of such things. As always, a big thank you to Speedland for being the presenting sponsor of the Free Trail Podcast and many other things that we work on. Dave and Kevin were at my house actually today talking through some of the prototypes that I've been testing that are going to change the whole trail footwear game. Pretty awesome to have the founders of the company sitting at my dining room table, dissecting shoes and talking product. You guys will be able to get these protos later in the year, but right now you should go grab a pair of the SLHSV, the second shoe in the Speedland arsenal inspired by the amazing Liz Canty who just smashed the course record at Cruel Jewel a couple weeks ago. I swear every time I put the SLHSV on and wear them in public, somebody gives me a compliment. So whatever that's worth, go get yourself a pair. Visit runspeedland.com. And for free trail members, keep an eye out for an awesome discount offer for Speedland and the SLHSV in your inbox. It's another value add, another perk that we're giving to free trail subscribers is to get deeper discounts with our brand partners. So if you consider subscribing and you can find links in the show notes here, but uh, if you consider subscribing to free trail, becoming a member, you will be exposed to these perks yourself. A big thank you to those who do support us with your hard earned money. We love you. You guys make a huge difference for us. And I hope that gives you some satisfaction. Hope. You feel good knowing that we couldn't do it without you. Finally, today, we are releasing the first episode of Failing Forward, a new video series with Tim Tollefson documenting his training and his life in preparation to Western States. The vision was to give a bit more of an embedded behind the scenes look into the life of an athlete fully committed to a big audacious goal, Tim is a longtime friend and one of the best athletes in the sport. So we're excited to get the story out into the world. Episode one drops today. It's sort of a retrospective, just recapping Tim's race at Western States from last year. It's on the Free Trail YouTube channel, and we'll be releasing new episodes every week leading into the race 
at the end of this month. Big thanks to Tim for being willing to have us tag along for a couple months. Big shout out to Ryan Thrower, Free Trails Creative Savant, the producer of this podcast and a freaking hard worker. I hope you guys watch the video maybe after you listen to the podcast. Thanks so much for all the support. See you in the outro. Stephen Kirsch, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. Long time listener, first time potter. <laughs> Dude, we were supposed to do this in the, in the studio a couple of days ago, mm-hmm. but it's all good. Now we can just chat on Zoom and capture capture the video. But I mean, to get things started, maybe tell us how hungover you are right now. Have you <laughs> processed the wedding shenanigans from over the weekend? Yeah. Tell the people what you were yeah. up to here in Portland. Yeah. So yeah, like you said, yeah, we're supposed to do this in person because we caught a run uh, Saturday morning together back in Portland. And and then my buddy Scott Fobble was getting married Saturday uh, evening. So went and, you know, obviously a bunch of debauchery with old college running friends. So we were treating our 30 year old bodies like we were 20 again. Uh, <laughs> actually, my buddy uh, busted his pants open on the dance floor. So it was, it was pretty perfect. Dude, wait till you're yeah. 36. So how was yeah, it? Was it, uh, were people showing off their athletic fitness on the dance floor or what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, for sure. It was, uh, <laughs> you know, the last cross country runners, we've always been known for our, our dance moves and just kind of like overall, uh, I don't know, man, vibiness. So yeah, it was, uh, it was a good time for sure. Great to see all my buddies and, uh, yeah, now, now back in Flagstaff. Yeah. So you just turned 30 you're several years removed from the college scene. How have your relationships evolved with your buddies since graduation? Cause you know, college sports is like such a powerful thing and creates just these super, super tight bonds, which is something yeah. I've experienced firsthand myself and my college teammates are some of my best buds in the world to this day. And whenever we get together, it's just so much fun. How have those relationships evolved and and maybe what was it like to get back together with the boys again this weekend? Yeah, luckily, like, um, we've had a really tight crew kind of ever since we, we graduated. I was actually, uh, yeah, two of my, you know, best friends were, were guys that I went in with freshman year. And then, you know, we spent four, four years together, just, just living with each other, running multiple times a day, every single day together. And then, uh, we've actually, we were really good friends with some older upperclassmen too. And yeah, man, we've stayed in touch and it's been really fun because we've got to do, you know, hood to coast together. We've got to, I've run, uh, like my 29th birthday, I ran 29 miles with a really good buddy of mine. And then he just turned 30 last Friday and we ran 30 miles together. So it's just like on the wildwood, you know, right. yeah, <laughs> on, on wildwood trail. So it's, it's fun to see that, you know, back when we were freshmen, it's like, if you told me I was gonna run 30 miles, I would have thought you were crazy right and now it's like that's what we do for fun so it's uh it's really cool to see it evolve and see how it plays different roles in different people's lives but we all like do still have just such a great relationship with with running and it, it definitely bonds us all it's so important to get drunk with your college friends as you age yeah. i think whenever you have the opportunity when you get into your 30s you and beyond to. I've been off the booze for five no, five months now, but I'm very pro getting hammered with your college friends. But that, <laughs> I want to be on the record to have that you know point of view. Right. So, and you're newly engaged oh, now okay. too, man. I mean, did the wedding give you some yeah. exhilaration for your impending marriage? 
It did, man. It just, uh, yeah, the thing they say about love just seems to hold pretty true, man. It seems like it makes people pretty stoked. So, yeah, my uh, my fiance and I, we got engaged like three-ish months ago. Um, and, yeah, it's been super fun. And then, yeah, we went and checked out some venues on after the wedding. So it feels like it's getting pretty real. And, uh, yeah, it's it's exciting. It's a good time to be, good time to be alive. Good, good job, man. Excited to Thank see you. how that goes for you. You can start drafting your vows now and uh yeah you'll be uh, a happy man here i guess next summer when you get married so we'll probably get back around to sort of the college days because i think that is an interesting thing to talk about just in terms of your career progression yeah. but i learned over the weekend when we were running together that you grew up in albuquerque new mexico so maybe That's just right. tell us a little bit about your childhood your history with sport just to set up the rest of the combo yeah yeah grew up in albuquerque spent the first 18 years of my life there and uh just grew up playing all sports you know uh baseball soccer uh did a lot of cycling um not a ton of running but my parents were always just like hugely influential and like just getting us out outdoors so like you know all, every vacation we had was backpacking or camping or going somewhere to to do you know we skied a ton um so just like really thankful for them just to exposing my brother and I to like, yeah, just how nice it is to be outside. Um, but I spent, yeah, definitely, you know, wanted to be a soccer player. So, you know, all through high school, it's like, that's what, that's what I want to do. I was on a, you know, travel club team and then went to a, a high school and, and where soccer was just a huge priority. We were very good and it was fun to be you know part of the, the team there. And, yeah, pretty much through like senior year, I thought I wanted to play soccer collegiately and then ended up running. Um, how I got into running was my dad was always like, he never pushed me into it, but he's always like, man, if you wanted to do this, you could be very good at it. Uh, but I was like, well, the, the, I, I only run on the left wing, man. Like that's, that's all I care about is <laughs> just give me the down. rock then, and let me go. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> but uh, for soccer, we had to do like a two mile time trial to, to like prove fitness. Right. Um, and I was always pretty good at that. And then like my junior year, I ended up running like just, I don't I still don't know how I did it, but I ran very quick in soccer practice, like 20 seconds off our school record at that point for the two miles. So what was and my that? Soccer, was it like 10 minutes? It was or? like, no, it was, it was like 1030. Uh, and my soccer, you know, soccer coaches were just like, Steven, this is clearly what you should be doing. <laughs> so I ended up running like two years. I never ran cross country in high school, but I ran two years of track and had some pretty good success. And, you know, then started reaching out to um, collegiate coaches. And yeah, Rob Connor at the University of Portland was basically, I think he saw that like I was incredibly undertrained, living at altitude, like saw a huge probably that I had a lot to, to gain from actual training um, and offered me an opportunity to walk on at the University of Portland. So ended up going to UP and walking onto the cross country track team, and then eventually, um, yeah, earned a earned a spot on on the squad. So it was a it was a cool cool period. Yeah, amazing. So let's get to that in a sec. But yeah, when we were finishing up our run on Saturday, you asked me if I was going to be watching the Premier League championship and i said nah bro i gotta watch the ncaa lacrosse <laughs> tournament right. which is a memorial day tradition um, so you know i are both sort of from the team sport lineage cut from that cloth the field sport life growing up as kids and i think probably for both of us we'd agree that 
that's been helpful in our development as endurance athletes. Maybe talk about how your upbringing as as a soccer player maybe contributed to the success that you've seen as a runner. Yeah, well, I think, first of all, like, yeah, just being part of a team has always been hugely important to me and very fun, right? Like getting to share that, like the whole journey with people is always way more fulfilling than just kind of going at it um, on your own. And I've seen that collegially and then even post-collegially, you know, as I kind of waded through what I was trying to do with my own running, I've always kind of come back to a, some sort of like team or like deep friendship uh, that that then goes in my running. But then also it was just super helpful, man, to be going into college, like severely undertrained yeah. because I was PRing like every single weekend. And like that just like lit a fire in me. Whereas I saw guys that I came in with freshman year who had were you know blue chip recruits or whatever had trained a ton in high school but then you know were kind of petering out in college and you just saw their love for it go away you know because the performances just weren't there so I think my like yeah love of just camaraderie and being around a team but then also being able to just truly like running is one of those things where you get in what you put in you know you you get out of it what you put into it and like to see that firsthand with like the maturity, not that I was mature at all in college, but like maybe a little <laughs> more just that, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like a little more understanding of, okay, this is like, you know, if I keep training and I'm going to keep seeing these, um, these results like that, uh, definitely like fed me all through, uh, all five years that I spent running in, in the NCAA. Yeah. So going back to talking about your coach, it sounds like he saw some potential in you and gave you the opportunity critically that you needed. And I think that's really important in life, right? When you have the desire to work hard, sometimes you just need somebody to give you a chance to give you an opportunity. And in our run again on Saturday, you made your college coach sound like a pretty compelling character. So maybe talk about him a little bit, how he's influenced you and maybe just the importance of having a chance, having an opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Compelling character puts it lightly. He's a, he's a very eccentric guy. Coach, uh, his name's Rob Connor. He's been at the university of Portland for, you know, over 30 years. And yeah, he's just one of those guys where he will give you the tools to succeed, but he will not like demand that you, you follow through. Like a lot of that is going to be on you, right? Like if you want to be great or be good, like it's, it's how much you're, you're willing to do. And I think for me, that was a really successful because that's just how I, that's a kind of, that's always worked for me. Basically. It's just like, I want to uh, give me the tools and then I can, I can do my best. To like the, the hard and, work isn't the thing that it is isn't yeah. a challenge for you. It's no, I, I like, I look forward to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, he just created this awesome culture where yeah, walk-ons where, just as respected as, as, you know, the, the four minute miler in high school, just as long as you're putting it in day in, day out, like you get everyone's respect. And, um, yeah, it was just a really good culture for me, um, to, to really learn. Cause I learned so much about running in those four years that I, I didn't know anything about running. <laughs> like, I can't emphasize that enough. So they like going to UP, it was just like mind blowing. Like it was just, you know, learning something new every single week. And, um, yeah, it was just, it was critical for my development. Yeah. So he was sort of patient and invested in your development. So how did your college career go? Like, was it satisfying for you? Because ultimately you moved to flag and 
it sounds like that was motivated by a desire to keep the progress going that you had started in your collegiate years. How did, uh, how did those five years play out at UP and what, uh, what did it leave you wanting, uh, afterwards? Yeah, it was, uh, I'd say it was very successful. You know, it was a very like linear trajectory, uh, for me and every year I was, I was getting a little bit faster and I was just becoming a better athlete. Um, I think by the time I, I, I think I ran like a 14, 25, maybe 5k by the time I was a senior, which is pretty good. Like not, you know, great, but from where I came from, like 1530, I think my freshman year, like it was, you know, it was pretty great to see chopping a minute off and then, um, cross country. I never ended up being a top seven uh, guy for us, but I was like always, you know, in the mix for that seven spot, which was always very exciting. And, uh, but then I actually used my fifth year at Georgetown and, um, which was really cool because it was a totally different system, different coaching mentality. Like, um, and it was cool coming there as like a fifth year, just, I I was there for like all business, right. I just wanted to maximize this final year of my, my eligibility. So and it was perfect with with how they were structured. It was um, much more like every day you knew exactly what you were doing versus at Portland. It was like Coach Connor would drop us off at you know Wildwood, like all right, Kirsch, go run. You know how, how far are you going, man? I was like, I don't. I guess I'll run sixty minutes. He's like, all right, dude, <laughs> maybe eighty tomorrow. I don't know. And uh, you know, just so at Georgetown, that was like, okay, I'm running ten in the morning, four in the afternoon. Yeah, and that structure really it brought me to a whole new level in my running. And then I was able to run like a 1405, 5k wow. for regionals. For Were you first, running for, for Pat Henner there? At, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I'm like Henner. an adopted uh, Georgetown Hoya. Cause I have a couple of buddies who oh, ran there collegiately, Andrew Bumbleo, right. who's recently, yeah. recently retired Nike marathoner who now works at Nike. He and I run together a bunch here in Portland and yeah. shout out to my buddy, Levi Miller, who's the guy who sort of put Bumby and I together to dear to your friends, but they both Absolutely. ran it at Georgetown. And so I'm like an adopted Hoya basically. So I know Dude, all about Hoya the program. Sucks, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a great program. And um, yeah, it just kind of like elevated me to a whole new level of running. And then from there um, was just encouraged to the, the Olympic trials, we're coming up that next year because I graduated in 2015. So I wanted to then chase after the marathon standard. Um, so ended up, yeah, moving to Flagstaff that summer. Like uh, I'd been talking to Fobble and he was joining a professional team out here. So we were like, I don't know, man, I guess let's, I don't know what I'm doing, but if you're doing that, that sounds cool. Mm. Thought I'd only be out here for a little bit as I kind of trained and ended up uh, training under Mike Smith. And he, he got me very fit and was also able to, former Hoya, right? Mike that, Smith. That's right. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I ended up running, um, the Olympic trials qualifier in the half marathon to then qualify me for the marathon. So oh. it was just kind of a snowball effect. They're just like, Oh man, I keep like, I didn't think I'd be able to run a regional qualifier in the 5k. And then I didn't think I'd be able to qualify for the, for the trials. So then, you know, you just kind of keep doing all these things and yeah, you talk yourself into running for like the next decade of your life. Were you kind of just dirt bagging it as like a fresh post collegiate athlete? Like, were you, 100%. were you working towards a goal? Like, in other words, were you trying to make the dream a reality and be kind of on the pro running trajectory? Totally. Yeah. Like I moved here without a job. So, uh, I got hooked up with a job at the local sushi bar 
where I was working. Uh, it, it was actually a pretty cool schedule. I worked like 10 to four, so I could run in the morning and then run in the evenings, you know, and then sometimes you'd work that night shift, which got a little crazy, but, uh, yeah, so I was, I was definitely dirtbagging it for about, you know, the first year I was here, just trying to piece things together and, yeah, you can, I think running is all about convincing yourself of the impossible, right? Like yeah. trying to tell yourself that, oh yeah, I can run 210 in the marathon, even though you really haven't done much to to tell yourself you can yeah. do that. But like, yeah, that was, that was the dream for years was to make it as like a pro marathoner. Um, and just kind of, I'd have little glimpses where it seemed like that was a possibility and then I'd get injured or, you know, I'd have a, the marathon would absolutely eat me alive. So uh, yeah, yeah, it, it was a rough couple of years, but uh, it was also very fun. And again, just learned so much about running. So then it wasn't long thereafter where you kind of connected with the Coconino Cowboy crew as that whole thing was really growing into an international phenomenon. Yeah. And sort of <laughs> you guys became a group of guys who were able to achieve great things and push each other to be really, really great athletes on the circuit. So talk about the transition from being a road athlete and what your exposure was to trail running before you kind of got connected with that Flagstaff scene there and what that period of your life was like. Yeah. Um, yeah. So definitely like the Flagstaff community is very close. Like road runners, no trail runners, you know, trail runners, know all the road runners. And is there a sense of, sorry to cut you off, but like, is there a sense of with the pro, like, because Flagstaff is probably inundated with like hyper performance, world-class track and road racers, right? What is their impression of the, the trail lifestyle? Um, I definitely think it's gotten way more respected, (laughs) uh, especially as, I've, I've done my part in hope trying to drag some road guys on, on trail runs, you know, just so that they can kind of see, uh, what we get up to, but no, I think there's a healthy dose of respect and, um, like, yeah, a lot of that was, you know, we'd show up to, to some of their, some of their group runs on Sundays and hang with them. Right. And like, it wasn't like, there definitely is the thought, right. That the, the trail guys are just too slow for the road stuff, which, in the, yeah, in the grand scheme of things, for sure. Probably like, you know, a lot of us aren't going to be able to run a 210 marathon, 208 or whatever. But like, um, I think th- they're getting a little to be a little bit closer together. And yeah. um, I especially think in Flagstaff, there's a healthy dose of respect. Um, and like, I definitely respected Tim and Jim, you know, when, when they were just starting out the stuff, because Jim would show up to these group runs and just be like pressing from the, from the gun, you know, I was like, okay, okay, this guy's a bit nuts. And I remember following him really close. No mercy. Yeah. No, not at all. At, at uh, Western States, like that was kind of my first um, uh-huh. insight into like, Oh wow, this is like very impressive and very fast. And definitely like I, w- I wasn't fully committed yet in 2016, but it was definitely like, Oh man, I think this is something like I would want to do one day. Um, and then seeing the success that, you know, Tim Ferrix had Cody Reed and, um, yeah, just really good guys doing, doing some great things. And, uh, I remember in like 2018, I think I had like a back-to-back long runs. And, uh, I remember I did this 18 miler with Jim where it was, he wouldn't call it a trail run, but back then I would for sure call it a, a trail run. And, uh, yeah, there was just some, some climbs that I had just, you know, never done in my life. And Jim is just 
dusting me and just kind yeah. of making fun of me the whole time. But but it really it really gave me some insight into it. And um, it's a good way to get better. Yeah, then, yeah, it's a good way to get better. It, it was a trying to hang yeah, on the wheel dra- of Jim Walsey. <laughs> yeah. So getting dragged along by those guys. Yeah. Um, and I do. I guess that there wasn't really a moment where I was just like, okay, now I'm going to do trails. But um, just like having those guys around and then becoming friends with them first, and then kind of they were just always so welcoming and welcoming anytime they wanted to just bury me in the canyon, you know, they're, they're, they're happy to bring me along. So <laughs> there was a few pretty rough, rough goes early on. Uh, and then it just kind of organically, I, I fell into just to doing it. Awesome, man. So I think this is a good time to sort of transition to talking about your professional life and creativity in general. This is something that we yeah. spent the majority of our time talking about on our run over the weekend. So maybe just give a quick intro to Rabbit Wolf and its origin story for the audience. Yeah, um, Rabbit Wolf Creative is the content studio agency that uh, myself and my partner Ryan Sterner uh, run. And yeah, I started it with uh, with another dear friend of mine, Sarah Cotton. We started it in 2017 in Flagstaff, um, and she was always. I met her at Georgetown, and she was. Um, she was always away like doing art and photography and stuff. And I thought it was, I would always been interested, but never thought it could be really a career for me. And then I just remember, yeah, we were like talking at a brewery one day and I was like, well, well, could this be like a business you think? And uh, I was pretty, I wasn't doing anything. I was running and I was just working in Flagstaff at, you know, jobs that I didn't want to actually turn into careers. Mm -hmm. Um, So we ended up, man, convincing some people to trust us, uh, to, to do some really early like photography work. And then that rolled into some, a few like video projects. And, um, we ended up looping in Ryan because I had met him. We had both helped start Sidious magazine. So I knew him through just like the internet, basically Slack Mm -hmm. channels and stuff. And I knew he was interested in helping out. So he hopped on board with a few early projects and then um, eventually Sarah wanted to pursue some other stuff and she moved away from Flagstaff and, and Ryan and I just kind of took it on full time. And yeah, we've been doing it since pretty much 2018 full time and, and have, uh, yeah, turned it into something that, that we really love. We do a lot of like brand storytelling, narrative stuff that lives typically on social, um, YouTube, that kind of thing, photography, videography, and, uh, yeah, we're growing and, and having a good time. Where did you develop your creative skills were you the type of kid who grew up with a camera on your hand or were you always intrigued by art where did that come from yeah yeah um you know i early on like we'd go skiing and i would make our little, little ski videos of me and my buddies you know at the train park and footy just for the boys <laughs> you yeah the dude, exactly uh doing that a lot of that kind of stuff i loved like messing around in, in iMovie like in middle school and and then in college, actually, uh, I ended up finding this like lab at our school that had these computers that just had fully installed like Adobe Suite, like Photoshop and Illustrator. And I didn't know what I was doing, but it was just fun. Like now I look back on it, it's like, that's how I killed time. I just go down there and like mess around. It's like, that probably spoke volumes, like what I was actually interested in. Yeah. Um, so again, I think looking back, it makes a lot of sense that I've fallen into what I do. But I think in the moment, I never really thought of myself as like a quote unquote creative. I just, something I really like to do. Um, but like photography, 
was pretty new to me into like Sarah had to show me how to use a camera, you know, <laughs> like I didn't know anything. And yeah. then it's just been a lot of YouTube tutorials since then. Really? So kind of a yeah. self-taught creative. How does, uh, your relationship with Ryan work? Cause he doesn't live in Flagstaff. How do you guys work together practically? And, and maybe in what ways do your skill sets complement one another? I'm fascinated about yes. this because like we were talking about over the weekend with my right. partner, Ryan, like, it's been, I think, critical to, you know, whatever moderate degree of success that we've had, which is not much, but, you know, just like how our skill sets are so asynchronous, right? And that like right. we get along super well, but like we don't do the same stuff and it's been a net positive to our ability to mm -hmm. work together. Does that resonate with yeah. you and your relationship with your partners? Definitely a little bit. Um, Ryan actually, it was really, really advantageous. He actually lived here for um, almost a year. No. Yeah. Almost a year back in like 2019 through 2020. Um, so that was really great to have him like boots on the ground. We could do a lot of projects here, but yeah, he lives in Los Angeles, which is nice in itself because another really creative hub, right. Um, that, that he can make connections with and, and get work through that. But then, yeah, I think we're actually pretty similar. Like, first of all, we just like, you know, he's like my best friend. So we, we just get along very well. And I think we can be like, we don't have to like, um, beat around the bush on much. Like if we need to say something, we can just say it. And mm -hmm. we know like there's no hard feelings. Um, but yeah, it is funny. Like you, you know, you think that there's some people like partners are very right-brained and the other one's very left-brained or whatever. And like Ryan and I, I think are mostly very similar. Um, and that's worked well, but that's definitely let us down in a few places. Like neither of us, I would say are incredibly like business savvy, uh, um, which is why we actually just brought on someone that is going to take pretty much the brunt of our like business and client services stuff like off our plate, mm -hmm. which I think will be helpful. Um, but yeah, man, just like, you know, people warn you against, I think, working with your friends or whatever, but like, this has been the coolest thing that I've done in my life is yeah. just like building this up with, with Ryan. And, and it's fun too, because like, it was the start of our, we basically met and started working together. So yeah. like, just, you know, we've shared a tiny, scary bedroom in like Jamaica together. You know, we've traveled <laughs> to France, you know, we've done all these like great things. We have so many like funny stories. And I think that is just like, bonded dude, it's, so it's like college athletics, right? It's like you go it through this totally. it's like s these crucible moments when you're trying to yeah. build a business. It's just like when you're totally. 18, you know, trying to win some cross country meet or something like that. Those memories yeah. and those relationships that are forged in fire become just so freaking strong. So you guys have developed yeah. a reputation as being like a really solid go-to digital studio agency mm -hmm. in the sport of running. And there's a lot of people interested yeah. in sort of like how to make it as like, how do you make a career within running, especially like in yeah. content creation? You mentioned a second ago that you sort of caught a break early and this goes back to something we talked about earlier in our conversation about like, sometimes you just need to have a chance. You need somebody to give yeah. you an opportunity. What was that that you were referencing at that point or any breakthrough moments that have helped along the way? Yeah, there's a few. I think the first big one where we realized like, cause I think the biggest thing, man, is you get into this and you have no idea what you should charge someone. <laughs> it's like, so the, hard. The, like, yeah, like budgets and stuff. And, 
this is coming from someone who was working like minimum wage in Flagstaff. So I was like, I don't know, give me 500 bucks. Like I'll do anything, you know, I will lay on a sword for a thousand dollars. And so I think just like um, the first kind of big budgets we were able to work with, which like looking back on it were nothing crazy, but like we did um, the speed project. We followed that around for Under Armour. And I just remember thinking like, you know, Ryan, Sarah and I were all out there. That was the first one we did together. And I was like, okay, like, I think if we split, you know, we're just thinking about it too. Like, oh yeah, we split this evenly three ways and like we can make a living maybe and uh, <laughs> that and then some other projects. So, you know, you get your first, Under Armour's always been great to us. They've they've always, we, we, we actually working with them right now on another bigger piece, which is really cool. So um, yeah, they, they trusted us early on and like have definitely helped out our company and they've been really willing to, uh, let us learn alongside them, which is, which is really clutch for, for new people in it. But there is, there is a place to, to make a career in, in content creation. I think what we've found is just like, um, cause we've always just wanted to tell stories that felt very true to us and like shoot running in a very, I think it's overused, but like gritty, authentic way, right? Like not super polished. And at first that was just because we couldn't shoot anything polished. Like we just seriously didn't have the technical skills. And it was like, brands be like, oh, that's so like raw. And it's like, man, that's just what we have, <laughs> you know? Yes. Uh, but it's it, like your we weakness becomes your strength a little bit, right? Yeah, totally. And like we've turned it into a, an aesthetic and a style that I think obviously speaks to a lot of people. Wow, that's so cool. But like... The content game is a slog, as I've come to learn firsthand. Were mm-hmm. there any moments where you felt a sense of momentum or where you felt like I'm actually good at this and we're like not just faking a business here, but like we're, we're I'm actually really proud of this type of work? Yeah. I think one thing Ryan and I need to work on is like positive self-talk. Dude, um, did we talk about this over the weekend? Because <laughs> like, no. we've been talking about this so much. It's like, <laughs> man, I really need to learn how to celebrate like the small victories because like we had yeah. so much like incremental progress or whatever. Totally. And I'm just like yeah. waiting for us to like catch a real break. You right. know? Yeah. And like, because I'm so obsessed with that, I can't celebrate, you know, the small victories that come along the way. <laughs> You have to, man. And uh, Ryan, we have, we have a company saying uh, that, that we took from from some like Japanese parable, but it's basically the sum of our knowledge comes from all of our mistakes, right? Yeah. And we just have been like learning from these mistakes. And I think sometimes, sometimes we can just like forget that like, okay, obviously we're good at this. People trust us to tell these stories, to, you know, to do these projects. Um, so yeah, we, we're doing a better job of that. And I do think even like the last like two years, I've really have been confident in in ourselves, but like a hundred percent imposter syndrome, man, like years and years of that. And like, but I think that's what we've talked with other people is like, that's just how it is, man. Yeah. You're always like that, you know? And I think um, probably a, a dose of that is healthy, but at some point you, you got to just remember that, okay, you're good at this. And yeah. it's kind of like being a pro athlete, it. isn't it? It's 100%. like, there's so many days where you're just like, I suck. <laughs> like, yeah. why, why do people pay me to do this? Cause like, or you right. get injured and you're like, what the hell? This is like a complete waste no of money value. for our, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So actually this is a good thing to talk about too. We sort of touched on it during our run on Saturday as well, because 
as your business was growing, your running career in the trail space was starting to grow alongside it. And you landed yeah. a deal with Adidas Terex, you know, as a professional athlete. And you were saying how sometimes there's like a little internal conflict about these two things about like, are you giving your full self to reach your potential as an athlete and take advantage yeah. of this sacred opportunity? And like, at what point are you maybe sacrificing the health and longevity and growth of your business? Talk about that right. internal conflict. Yeah, it's hard, right? Like, I think both of my yeah, running and the business have both been like kind of ticking upwards at the same time, which is super exciting and I'm incredibly fortunate for that. But at the same time, yeah, there's some days where it's like, man, I totally blew off that workout because I had to do something for work versus like, man, I should really do some stuff for work, but I need to do this, you know, this workout or go on this long run. And um, yeah, exactly. Like you said, you know, running is, is a fine running at this level is very finite. Um, and I would do, I want hundred percent. I want to take advantage of, of every day I can. Um, but at the same time, like, as you probably know, like growing a business is, is incredibly captivating and, and it is fun and is exciting and you want to give a lot to that. So, but it's it, also it like, it's also like hard and physically, yeah, it's, it's like hard. physically hard and painful sometimes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> sometimes it just hurts, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, like for sure. A lot of times, like, you know, I'll have a shitty run or something and it's like, why did that feel so bad? It's like, oh yeah, because I've been stressed out for three days. <laughs> because of, you know, these seven calls I have to be on. Um, so yeah, it's, it can be hard to balance, but I also try to keep it all in perspective. Like I'm incredibly fortunate that I have a pretty, this is pretty flexible. Like, you know, I get to work from home, even in non-pandemic times, I don't have to be in an office. I set my own hours. So, um, sometimes you gotta be a little creative with it. Um, but yeah, um, there is definitely some internal struggle that that happens on both ends. Yeah. Do you think that your career or your lifelong experience being an athlete has helped with this project in entrepreneurship, which is like we were just talking about completely exhausting that comes with so much, uh, whatever, like imposter syndrome and self-doubt. Do you feel that like being an athlete and like knowing how to train and knowing how to endure and just continue to put one foot in front of the other has served you well in building a business? Yeah. I mean, I think endure is, is the best way to put it. And I think running is just such a beauty. Like there's, I have not found a better metaphor for life. Like, you know, and I'm probably incredibly biased because I love running so much and I can, but just, you can extrapolate it to everything. Like you're going to have these highs, you're going to have these lows, right? And and it's going to suck sometimes. But if you just keep, it's like a hundred miler, man, as long as you just keep going forward, like you're going to get there. Yeah. Like they, it's going to, and you, sometimes you start feeling better at mile 70 and no one knows why, Yeah. you know? So I think, yeah, being an athlete, I think is critical to my understanding of like, yeah, how to balance time how to balance all the things that I have going on. And like, even being an NCAA athlete, looking back on that, like we had six hours of class every day and we were supposed to run twice a day. So, you know, I've always kind of been able to balance those things and just keeping it all uh, into in perspective. And yeah, it's, it's helpful. This is why youth sports are so important. 
not to go yeah. off on some <laughs> tangent, but really because this, like, is, it, this is like the skills that you and I have cultivated over the course of our lifetime being athletes are what at least I go back to when I reach a point where I'm just like, this is fucking pointless. Like, why am I doing yeah. this? You know? And yeah, yeah. You just, sometimes you just do have to put one foot forward and stay the course and just let it go. I actually just <clears throat> pulled up a tweet that I want to read here from uh, John Collison, who's one of the founders of Stripe. I saw this on uh, the internet yeah. the other day and I retweeted it because I felt it was pretty powerful and I think it's relevant to our conversation. What he says is, as you become an adult, you realize that things around you weren't just always there. People made them happen. But only recently have I started to internalize how much tenacity everything requires. That hotel, that park, that railway, <laughs> the world is a museum of passion projects. Isn't that freaking beautiful, true. man? <laughs> it's true, man. Like, yeah, and I think that's one thing. Take, yeah, taking all that for granted, right? It's just like, oh, yeah, this is just here. But I think you don't truly understand that, like, someone had to, like, really think about that. Kill themselves. And, yeah. It's yeah, like, totally. Anyway, so but it makes you, I don't know, at least me, it makes me want to like be a part of that. Yeah. I, I want I want to do that. I know? want to leave an exhibit in the museum of passion right. projects. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Beautiful man. The Free Trail Podcast is brought to you by Gnarly Nutrition. You guys have heard me talk about the Fuel 2.0 drink mix, which is my primary fuel source for long runs, workouts, and races. You've heard me talk about the BCAA drink mix, which I love and use every day. Well, today I want to tell you about the Gnarly Performance Greens. Gnarly Performance Greens is a powerhouse drink mix that packs a punch with vitamins, minerals, and nutrients that's easy to add to a glass of water or to your recovery smoothie. Gnarly co-founder Shannon O'Grady refers to it as a whole foods based multivitamin. And that's exactly how I've been using it. A serving a day to keep my body feeling healthy, energized, and topped off with all the little nutrients that maybe I'm losing in training or not consuming adequately in my daily diet. The performance greens are my favorite thing to travel with, especially internationally. It's my way of staying on top of my immune system basically seven days a week and at a much more approachable price point than competitive products in the market. Check it out for yourself. Go visit gonarly.com. Use code freetrail15. Gonarly.com, freetrail15 for 15% off your order. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Inside Tracker. I've told you guys just how easy and frictionless it was to go get my Inside Tracker blood test, and now the results are in. And I've spoken to an Inside Tracker registered dietitian. Shout out Molly Knudsen. And I am back to share the learnings with you. First, I learned that my white blood cell count is quite low, not alarmingly so, but enough for me to pay attention and do what I can to remedy the situation as I understand it. White blood cells are the body's first line of defense against infection. So a low count could indicate that my immune system is not as robust as I would like it to be which is not ideal as I ramp up training and start to think about traveling to races again. I want my immune system to be as fortified as possible. So here are the steps I'm taking. Number one, 
taking the gnarly performance greens, <laughs> but also doing everything I can to increase my vitamin C intake. Harmony has been making me fresh squeeze citrus juices every day. I've been having more vitamin A, things like carrots and kale, vitamin E from almonds and hazelnuts, and a little mineral called selenium that I'm not sure I ever heard of before, most commonly found in Brazil nuts. These things are all powerful antioxidants that can help fortify my immune system and hopefully bump up my white blood cell count over time. I'll share more about my personal findings in the weeks ahead, but you should go check check in on yourself too. Get 20% off an Inside Tracker blood test by going to insidetracker.com forward slash free trail. Insidetracker.com forward slash free trail. Back to the show. Let's pivot. I want to talk about some of the, the health challenges you've dealt with because, you know, you sort of documented some of it in a video, mm -hmm. um, you know, of you chasing the FKT around Mount Hood here in yeah. my backyard. And it, I think it was not long after you signed with Adidas that you sort of started to deal with some health issues. Maybe talk about uh, what happened there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, summer of 2019, you know, I ran Western States, uh, first hundred miler coming off my first 50 miler at Sonoma. And it was just, I got seventh, ran 15, 54, had a great race. Like definitely. I was like, this is, this is what I want to do. Um, and was, yeah, just riding as a high, basically. It was just like, this is, I thought, yeah, I just had my peak athletic performance basically. Um, and then, yeah, later in a couple, couple months later, signed with Adidas Terex, um, which was awesome. I uh, signed a long-term deal, like had every, I've been working since I graduated from Georgetown. It's like, all I wanted was a, was a running contract. I needed, I needed that validation from someone yeah. that like, it was all, it was all going to be okay. Um, so yeah, signed that deal. And then like a couple of weeks later, I just kind of, um, I woke up and I had this, uh, really strange pain in my, in my foot. Um, I'd actually just started, I'd signed up for a JFK. So I just kind of started my, my build towards that race and had like a week of training because the States really beat me up and then finally started to feel normal again in like early September. And then just had this like, yeah, bizarre pain. I was like, man, there's no way that's a stress fracture. Like I've been, you know, that was like one seventy mile week. Um, but it was that uh, my foot was swollen and everything. And then, um, so I went and saw, and saw my doctor. He's like looking around at it. Didn't think it was a stress fracture. Didn't really know what it was. So it's just kind of like, you know, to take a couple of days off. Um, maybe it's gout. Here's some medicine. I was like, buddy, I'm a vegetarian. I don't think <laughs> this is gout. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, then it basically it kept spreading. Like it spread into my ankle. It spread into my knees, my shoulders, my neck. And like I had, I mean, just like full on arthritis. Like I couldn't, I literally couldn't move, like had trouble getting out of bed. Um, and it was, it was really scary. Was it, was it no subtle one, or did you have like a deep intuition that there was something wrong? Oh, I knew. I mean, immediately I knew something was wrong. I tried to tell myself for a while, like at least like a week, like, okay, this is just something bizarre that's going on. This is going to pass. But like I, my, everything was swollen. Like my knees were huge. I, I couldn't bend anything. Like there's no walking was incredibly painful, you know, um, super bizarre. Um, and also just like, yeah, couldn't get in to see a doctor, like a specialist, right? Because in our system, man, you, it's, it takes six months to see someone. So luckily was able to um, pull some strings and see, see a, a family friend out in New Mexico. 
And basically what had happened was like, uh, my body had triggered an autoimmune, uh, response. So, uh, I had come down with like, an autoimmune disease, um, acolonzy, acol, I can't ever say it. It was basically spondylitis. Yeah. Um, and so it's like a, yeah. like an inflammation type autoimmunity. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So yeah, it was, it was inflammatory disease that just spread throughout my entire body and then was able to kind of like tamp it down with some pain medication and stuff, but I wasn't able to see a rheumatologist for a, a long t- like six months or so. So I didn't run from basically September until March or April of that next of 2020. And I was just like trying to figure out what to do. And, um, yeah, it was, it was incredibly confusing, right. To go from that place of being able to run a hundred miles very, very well to then not even being able to, to get out of bed and not really know what was wrong with me until probably about four months later until I actually saw a doctor mm. and then they were able to start me on like a round of, um, treatment. It's called, a uh, a TNF inhibitor, like a biologic, which is this kind of intense, um, self-administering shot that I did every two weeks. Uh, and that like immediately made a difference. Like I was able to start to walk normal. I was able to start to do little jogs and everything. Um, so then from there within like a month or so, I'd say I was actually able to pretty much run again. Like definitely, honestly, to this day, like I haven't felt a hundred percent like myself. Like there's always been something that like, even just like foot, foot strike, foot pattern. Like, um, it was really intense in like my Achilles. Um, it like really took hold there. So I've always, and I'd always had Achilles problems. Um, and then it also manifests pretty badly in like my feet, which obviously for running doesn't help. So like very sensitive feet. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been a weird journey. Luckily, like with the help of, of medicine, I've been able to get back to pretty much normal, especially in the last six months, I'd say. Um, but yeah, for in the entire of 2020, it was just about trying to do things that like I could prove to myself that I was still an athlete yeah. and still capable of doing what I wanted to do. What a brutal time. I mean, cause obviously like pandemic is happening simultaneously and how was the, yeah, which was like beneficial in one sense. Cause like my race, the racing calendar yeah, shut down, right. right? Yeah, you're not like so seeing okay. everybody kick ass and in peak fitness, and yeah, and like I wasn't like I was stressed out because I thought maybe I'd never like run again, just not even race. It was just about like getting back. I just wanted like life back, like yeah. getting getting up out of bed and going to get a glass of water was like a huge step. Really? Uh, wow. So, oh yeah, yeah. So I was just what was I the uncertainty? What was the uncertainty like? And do you have any? I don't know, visibility or clarity about what maybe triggered it? Um, yeah, the uncertainty, man. It was, uh, yeah, it was crazy. Like, um, I didn't, yeah, there was many, many months where I was just like, I'm, I just thought it was over, yeah. right? Like, in terms of, like, my uh, my athletic life, like, I had just fallen into an incredible opportunity with Adidas, and then it was pretty much like wiped my, my, my slate was clean. I felt like I was starting from zero. Um, yeah, still really haven't been able to like just pinpoint exactly what it, what happened. Um, but I've also just, yeah, it was a good opportunity to reframe a lot of things and like the gratitude that I try to leave the house with like every day now 
and like I said, even like it sounds silly, but just like walking around the house and not limping is like huge. Like well, it's it's amazing. Well, bro, if it makes you feel any better, I was struggling to to hang on when we were running together on Saturday. So you, you're still a really good athlete. Are you still yeah. taking medication to address the issue? Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's a personal yeah, so, question, by the way. I don't know if that's like against. No, no. Like, yeah, it's something. No, it's something I have to do the rest of my life. Uh, really? I'll, yeah. Oh. Yes. So it's not, it's, it's been, again, like that's been a huge mindset change is like, this isn't something that's going to go away. Um, there is no cure for, for autoimmune diseases. Right. Um, so at first I was like, okay, just like, it's going to be gone. Like such a runner mentality, like six months, I'm good. Like that's going to be the end of this. Yeah. It's like a stress fracture or whatever. Right. It's going to, and it's like, no, I'm going to live with this. And like, uh, luckily I've working with some doctors that I've had to change up my medication a few times, but like, finally now I feel like I'm on something that is like super sustainable and has given me relief pretty much of any sort of symptoms because I actually did have like a flare up last year that, uh, was just out of nowhere. I thought again, Oh yeah, I'm perfect. And then, you know, all of a sudden something really hurts. And it's like, I thought again, it was a running injury. It's like, no, man, like I have this underlying autoimmune thing that like I need to consider more often, I think, because I do just try to like forget about it. But yeah, it's just part of my life. And um, it it seemingly always will be, but that's okay. It's part of my story. Yeah. You just kind of alluded to it, but I'm curious if there's any major learnings from the experience, obviously, in these crucible moments when we're challenged to our core, oftentimes you come out of it with a new appreciation or with just like a new perspective on life, anything there that uh, you've sort of taken from this really challenging period? Definitely just gratitude, like being so grateful for the ability to, to move freely without pain. And then I think also just being way more empathetic to people and like what they're going through um because i and i'm just like just notice like you see i don't know at least i just see people even just around town around different cities are like kind of limping around right and it's like i don't know i used to probably would wouldn't think much of it but just trying to be a lot more empathetic like oh yeah i know what that's like man like chronic pain is 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 such is no joke and i totally understand it causes people tremendous harm mentally and physically and like I was in an incredibly dark place like I've never felt so low you know and just to be able to um to just yeah reframe it a little bit the human experience like we all go through things man that maybe we're not so comfortable talking about or sharing and I I don't know I just know even about sharing my own story just being able to get like dms from some people that are have as you know and it's like oh this is it's amazing to see you running like I had a guy reach out to me the other day and just like Hey, I see you're in Portland. Like I'm in Portland. I also have AES. Like, it's so cool to see you running. I'm just like, yeah, man, stay at it, man. Like, I hope, you know, it's like, it's a community of people that I never thought I'd interact with. And I think at first I was really afraid to, to do that because I didn't see myself as someone I'd always been very healthy. I'd never seen myself as someone that would struggle with like a lifelong illness. Um, so yeah, man, it's, it's hum- and hum- humbling for sure. Um, mm-hmm. A million times over, I've been humbled throughout the last, you know, three years. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for sharing it. And uh, yeah, yeah, it is a, a powerful thing just to talk openly about it and, and share the story. You never know who you're going to impact. 
Let's talk about your career yeah. a little bit because we haven't talked a lot yeah. about running. <laughs> yeah, man. That's usually so, how this goes. Yeah, exactly. For me. <laughs> um, on this show, yeah. It's like running is a peripheral <laughs> subject. Anyway, yeah. um, like you mentioned before, you've finished seventh at Western States now twice. Two solid performances, but you know, probably for somebody at your level, the type of races that make you feel like you could do more, right? Like that you yeah, could have done 100%. better even that first one in your first race at Western States running under 16 hours. And then last year in really tough conditions, doing it again. But you made the conscious decision not to return to the race in 2022, even though you had a top 10 ticket. Talk about that decision. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a hard decision because I love that race. That race is what like got me into, it made me dream about being, you know, being at that race. Right. So it, 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 it's huge in my life, hugely impactful. Um, but I think, I think I alluded to this before in, in some conversation with, or a post or something. It was just like, I feel like I skipped some steps in my, in my career a little bit, just going from, I, I ran some 50 K's and then got talked into doing Sonoma and like a golden ticket literally just like fell on my lap. It was like a minute after I finished. Like, what uh, are you supposed to do? You got to go yeah, on some Western States. doesn't want his ticket. Do you want it? I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, I guess. Like I hadn't really gone into that wanting a golden ticket, but at the same time, like I'm not going to give it up. So, um, and then, yeah, like that race, um, it was so much fun, man. Just, just so cool being so naive about it, going out way too hard and then just, brutal finish to it but um yeah this year um and then that, like i had some success too i, I like i had a really good jfk in 2020 i ran 527 yeah, which 527 until super fast adam peterman came along it was the the third fastest time <laughs> god damn um, it adam for god's sakes yeah that guy uh but yeah this year i just went into it knowing that I think I just wanted to race more like, you know, Western States takes up a huge chunk of your year. And I just wanted the ability to, to race and recover. Cause you see these guys and girls in Europe that are racing like every other weekend. It looks like so much fun. Yeah. And, you know, I'm like, Oh man, do, do they not feel like complete shit after a race? Like that sounds kind of nice. So yeah, I started the race with, um, or started the season. I did Chuck and at 50 K, which, which went well, another fast, fast time, uh, led by our, our dear, dear Adam Peterman. Adam Peterman um, again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, did uh, Madeira 60 K. So another like really short, short effort. Um, but it was really fun. And then doing broken arrow 26 K, uh, Sierra's and all and CCC. So yeah, just trying to race more, trying to like gain as much, uh, experience in the sport. And then also just, I just want to soak up the racing, man. It's, it's like why we do it, you know? And I think I'm a guy too, though. I could train all year and not race and I'd be totally fine. I think really? I love training. I just love running. Uh, but I think, um, getting myself into environments where I am pretty uncomfortable is very helpful and will just lead to, to more success down the road. So this was a year just about learning more. I think it's wise. I mean, obviously when you have a ticket to Western States, there is a massive, temptation to just be there, even if it's not what motivates you or totally. if you don't feel like you're ready for it. And I think to your mm -hmm. point, oftentimes athletes don't give themselves the chance to really develop and they do skip some steps just because their sponsors want them to race Western States or the hundred yeah. mile distance is quote unquote, the most important and gets the most media attention. Right. 
And I think also it's such a good point about just how freaking hard Western States is. Like you see the finishing times and it's like, oh, it's just a downhill race. It's flat, like whatever. But that race just absolutely shreds people, especially when you're yeah, on the gas the whole time at the front. It's yeah. Like, yeah. And like, I don't know. I think it, I, I understand why people go back. You know, if you keep getting that ticket, like the allure is just, it's huge. And I know that I can do much better than I've done at that race. And I a hundred percent want to go back and, you know, contend for a win. But I just think, I just think thought like this year is only going to help me. Cause if I can have this like wide ranging experience where I'm, I'm feeling sensations and races like this 26 K that's going to hurt, man. Yeah. Like, you know, that's some stuff that I've gotten really comfortable with just kind of like plodding along Jogging, yeah. and not like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like, I, I want to like hurt a little bit. Not that obviously Western States hurts, but uh, it's different. So yeah, my thought process was just why not try to soak up some different experiences and, and try to hit Western States out of the park in a couple of years. Yeah. And you were saying also that you're still going to be there. So you'll get to soak up the yeah. the vibes and the good feelings of Western States. Talk about what you and yeah. Rabbit Wolf team are going to be doing. Yeah. So yeah, um, we have been really fortunate to work very closely with Adidas Terex uh, as their kind of production partner in North America for the last like two years or so it's on their uh, Terex, Terex stuff. So um, yeah, we're going to go make some, make some content around the three ladies of Terex that are running there. We got Ruth Croft obviously coming back uh, after getting second last year, hoping the hoping top to, returning to, finisher on the women's side. I mean, yeah, yeah. I haven't put my fantasy machine. I haven't put my fantasy team together yet, but I think she might be the early favorite, at least in the <laughs> yeah. household. Yeah. Her. And then Emily Hoggood, who was, I think seventh female last year, she's returning. And then Taylor Natlin, who got her golden ticket at black Canyon. So three like super talented ladies and three ladies that probably will contend for, for top 10. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So let's keep talking about your athletic life and just like, I'd be, love to hear a little bit more. We talked about how you're coached by David Roche and how yeah. you have always like me been somebody who's responded well to coaching and maybe just talk about sort of like as somebody who does enjoy the training and the grind doesn't necessarily need the validation of racing. How do you maintain that, that feeling throughout the year? Because I think I definitely struggle with that of just sort of like burning out on the grind of training and mm -hmm. needing, needing a race in yeah. order to, uh, you know, feel like I'm doing anything relevant or, you know, worth my time. So maybe talk yeah. about your and David's relationship and, and your just like strategy with how you approach the sport and training altogether. Yeah. I think it was after JFK in 2020, I, I did some, did, did, did a little bit of thinking and, um, I had been totally self-coached to up to that point for the ultra running career. Um, obviously like being around, you know, the Cowboys, it was, it was pretty easy to, to get fit. Um, maybe the, the science was probably lacking a little bit, but, but the effort was always there. Uh, <laughs> the volume yeah. and the effort was never lacking. <laughs> the science may yeah. be lacking, but. Yeah, I'm so, pretty sure the science um, says just volume plus effort. So yeah, right. Uh, no, so I always had like a really good uh, situation here in Flagstaff, but then just with JFK, I was writing a lot of my own workouts because I just knew it was gonna, you know, I needed to run, be able to run a fast marathon. So I think 
I just got a little bit of burnout. Just having to think about the run and then also to execute the run was just not that much fun for me. So I reached out to David um, in like the start of 2021 and just asked him if, you know, he'd, he'd help me out a little bit uh, just because, yeah, I wanted to wake up and know what I was going to do and just do it. Cause that had always worked for me. Like if you tell me to do something, I'm, I'm going to do it for better, or for worse. Um, I just, I like, and I, I guess it's a pretty big, yeah. I just like doing the work with running. Um, so yeah, David's been great, man. He's, he's definitely helped me out. Uh, I was, you know, he's a big proponent of taking uh, a day off a week, which was really hard for me to come around to. Like I definitely snuck in some runs, um, and I think a lot of that was just ego, right? Like I had to have the Strava numbers. Man. I did the like, same needed... thing when I first got a coach. Yeah, too. I was like, totally on the day off, just you, like you want it. Yeah, you just go do a run and don't put it on the training peaks yeah. or whatever you're using. <laughs> just <laughs> and, because and you, you, you to can talk yourself into like yeah, yeah, you can talk yourself into like oh eight miles at seven thirty pace. It doesn't I guess even count. Make a difference. Doesn't no, that count. doesn't count. That does not count. Um, <laughs> So I think, yeah, it's like, I've just learned a lot from him. Uh, and I think learning to about myself and just like being okay with, with that aspect has been huge. Like, actually I look forward to Sundays. Yeah. Oh, I don't have to run. Like, that's great. I've put in six quality days in a row. Like let, let's just shut it down for a day. So you take so Sundays off part. instead of Mondays, huh? So Sundays off. Yeah. Which is nice. Cause is that the swap I, yeah, philosophy it. or is it up to you which day you take off? Uh, I'm not sure. I haven't talked to anyone else, but I think for me, that's what we do. We usually do like long runs Friday, Saturday. Uh, and then yeah, Sunday just, just gets the chill. So, so that um, makes sense now good. that you ran the Wildwood on Friday and then we went, right. we ran together on Saturday and then you went to a wedding and got hammered on Sundays. <laughs> and didn't run. <laughs> just like David drew it, it up. <laughs> it is crazy how often it works out. Yeah. Uh, good. So, uh, but yeah, I think, kind of my, yeah, our relationship is very, I, I coach myself, like I coach other, other athletes. So it's been fun to, and David's super open about it. It's like, wait, why would I do this right now? Like, this doesn't make any sense to me. And he's very open very, with, with all his, his knowledge. And obviously, you know, he's a very smart guy. So it's fun to learn with him. Um, hopefully he's learned a little bit about me too. Yeah. Awesome. Cool, man. Well, it's been super fun to chat. One last thing. I mean, you've, just mentioned, obviously you did way too cool. You did the Madeira 60 K you mentioned you got broken arrow CCC coming up. What, uh, what has you excited over the medium to long-term as an athlete or as a creative, like, are there voids that you see in the content market or stories that you want to tell or races that you want to do races you want to win? Like what, what are some of the goals that you have both athletically and professionally in the future? Yeah, I think athletically, just um, I definitely want to to go back to Western States and, and do that one really, really well. But I also am just interested in doing just like longer, non-competitive efforts. Like I really want to do some like long trails. Um, I don't think the AT or the, the PCT or anything, but doing like the Arizona Trail. I remember moving here and just being like, oh, that, that seems like something and looking it up. They're like, oh yeah, people do this like really quick. Uh, so doing some like fast packing and just exploring more, even in like the Grand Canyon. Like I think we've gotten really used to our routes in there and just like kind of doing them for time. 
And I'm like very intrigued about not doing them for time and just like <laughs> messing around a bit more. And I think with that comes like a huge amount of, of letting go, which is I've always struggled with um, in terms of like, yeah, I, I want data. I want to know how fast I'm doing things. And I think, you know, as I've gotten older, I've gotten better about it. But I think just being able to to be okay with, with you know, who knows, I might, I'm, perhaps I leave the watch at home or something. Uh, and just go down there with some friends and do some do some fast packing like that. That to me is kind of the next couple of years. Like I really want to really want to get involved in that. And then with um, with our own work creatively, like we do do a lot of like short um, short form pieces. So a lot of like you know maybe five seven minute stuff that's on YouTube, and then a lot of like cut downs for social. But I, I know that Ryan and I both are super like we've we've made one documentary that was about an hour long, and I know we want to do more of that, just like longer you know, maybe it's over the course of a year following a story and not just a race weekend. And I think doing stuff that's very meaningful um, to us is is important. And I still don't quite know what that is. Like, I don't know. I know that I think it's awesome. What about outside of running? Do you guys have, have you talked about like the creative inspiration outside of running? Yeah. Yeah. I think of a lot. We talked about this a little bit, but a lot of our inspiration comes from cycling. Mm. And um, I grew up cycling and it's uh, it always has a place in my heart. And I think like uh, the way that um, Education First tells stories, they, they do just a brilliant job, man, with, with how they've done it. And that's been a huge influence on how what we've tried to do with running. Yeah. So I think, yeah, doing more like that. And then even just like, you know, the last chance, right? Uh, or the, sorry, the, the last, last dance. dance. Like, yeah yeah like basketball like these things and just trying to turn because i think running can be a bit navel gazy at times and and we just try to repeat a lot of the things that people have done in the past and i think trying to bring in other influences even like like i want to get a fisheye lens on a really bad quality camera like a skate camera you know and i just like want to make turn running into like skateboarding or something (laughs) it's like these are the things that we always talk about it's just like how can we do something that looks different in the running space and i don't know if it's for everyone because i know that uh trail fans are, are used to maybe a certain kind of content but yeah. i think we're slowly trying to turn 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 that on its head a little bit are there any this is just popping into my head because i get the feeling that you and i both are consumers of athletic content outside of the navel gazy sometimes world of almost of exclusively I'd yeah. Say. yeah any uh any great recommendations for other content pieces and maybe to, to set it up, I'll, I'll give you a recommendation that I just watched Yeah, a documentary on YouTube called kissed by God about Andy Irons, mm. who is okay. a phenom surfer from Kauai. Yeah. My wife and I were just in Kauai. We were having a little baby moon. And while I was there, oh, of course yeah. I like went down the rabbit hole of like, who are the iconic surfers who came from this Island and learned about Andy Irons, whose name I had heard, but whose story I didn't know anything about freaking yeah. amazing documentary. You have to watch Dude, it. It's I'm going to write that it, down. It'll get you inspired. Any, uh, any, any recommendations from your end? Yeah, there's a there's actually a surfing movie on HBO, a documentary that I really like. I think it's called Mavericks. It's about like uh, it's like the Kelly Slater era, like when they were all together, like growing up in Hawaii, like super young. You're talking about Momentum Generation, is what Mo- it's called. Sorry, Momentum Generation. Freaking amazing, dude. I remember Ryan and I watched that. And we're just like, oh, dude, this is kind of it. Like this is really good, life changing, Doc. So good. yeah, yeah, that one's good. And then um, 
man, I'm going to look it up real quick. There's a great documentary on the Avid Brothers on HBO. It's called, oh, May It Last. Um, and it's, a, you know, the Avid Brothers are a, like a folk duo, uh, singers, songwriters. And uh, just like the way, it's just like a beautiful storytelling and the way it's shot and everything. So I think, yeah, those two have definitely made an impact the last couple of years. Sweet, man. I'll check that out. Yeah. Well, Kirsch, bro, it's been awesome to have you on the pod. And uh, thanks yeah. for sharing some miles with me on Saturday. I'm glad you're recovered from your hangover. I look yeah. forward to, to seeing you at Western States. You'll be carrying a camera yeah, this time rather than ripping through the canyons yourself. And then I guess the weekend before, I'll be uh, shouting your name into a microphone on the live stream at Broken Arrow too. So hopefully I'll, I'll do my best to make it that way. Man. Oh yeah. And we're doing, we're doing like a, a panel discussion in uh, Palisades right. that weekend too. So you, you and I will be catching up again very soon. No, it's going to be yeah. good. Cool, man. Thanks so much for coming yeah. on the show. Yeah. Good seeing you. Big thanks to Kirsch. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode. I really, really enjoyed running and chatting with Steven. Excited to see him race at Broken Arrow in a few weeks. CCC later in the summer. Also super excited to see what Rabbit Wolf puts together for Western States. Go follow Steven on Instagram. I got a link in the show notes. Go check out Rabbit Wolf. I linked to that in the show notes as well. If you guys enjoyed the show, please go leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Share this episode with your friends and or training partners. Uh, those small things really do help us and we super, super appreciate it. As always, a big thank you to our sponsor, Speedland. Visit runspeedland.com. Follow at runspeedland on Instagram. Go pick up a pair of the SLHSV. Super slick, high performance trail footwear. Free trail members gonna get a big fat discount in your inbox here shortly. Gnarly Nutrition, gonarly.com. Best outdoor endurance, sport performance, nutrition supplements on the market. NSF certified, that means you're getting only the clean stuff, not contaminated by anything nasty, especially banned substances, things like that. GoGnarly.com, use code FREETRAIL15. Finally, Inside Tracker. Thanks so much to these guys for the support over the last three months. It's been awesome to work together. Please go to InsideTracker.com forward slash FREETRAIL. There you can get 20% off a blood test that'll give you lots of great information as to where you can improve your health and therefore your fitness and performance. Don't forget to go watch episode one of Failing Forward on the Free Trail YouTube channel. More news and announcements coming from us soon, but that's it for now. Thank you guys so much for listening. Love you dearly. Bye-bye.